Our scripture passage for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So Philip got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? The eunuch replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotos, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was 13 years old, my dad took me on a surprise birthday trip, just the two of us. We packed our bags, loaded up the car, and drove from Kansas City, Kansas to glamorous Branson, Missouri. Now I know, I know, a lot of you have Branson on your bucket list. But for those of you who aren't as familiar with Branson, Branson self-identifies as an off-Broadway town. And what I learned on this trip is that anytime someone self-identifies as off-Broadway, the first question really should be, how far? <clears throat> how, how far off-Broadway? For example, on our second night in Branson, my dad and I saw a musical that was performed entirely on roller skates. It was like a mix of Sonic with Rodgers and Hammerstein, a real cultural experience. What's surprising, though, 
is that the thing I remember most about that weekend with my dad was not the shows, although they were memorable, or the food or the laughter. It was the car ride home. As we piled back into the car to head home to Kansas City, my dad said to me, Sarah, you are 13 years old now, which means you are growing up. You're turning into an adult right before my eyes, and there are a few things I need you to remember. My dad then proceeded to share with me what my family has dubbed the four things. Four nuggets of wisdom which he made me repeat back to him for all 232 miles of the car ride home. Those four things are, number one, you are responsible for yourself. Number two, every decision has a consequence, good or bad. Number three, to remember that I'm baptized. And number four, to know that my parents love me. From that moment on, any time I left the house, my dad would just hold up the number four. <laughs> when I got my driver's license and pulled out of the driveway, he was standing in the doorframe with the number four. When I graduated from seminary, my dad sat in the pews, watched me get my diploma, and held up the number four. Even now, when he sends me a card or an email, he almost always ends it, P.S. Four things. You are responsible for yourself. Every decision has a consequence. Remember that you're baptized and know that I love you. That day in the car on the way back from Branson, I didn't know why my dad wanted me to remember my baptism. I was baptized as a baby, so I really couldn't remember any specifics. It felt like a very dad thing to say, remember your baptism. <clears throat> but I will admit, as I've gotten older, it is a phrase that has made more and more sense to me. You see, we live in a world that is obsessed with drawing dividing lines of who's in and who's out. Rarely, if ever, is that faithful, and almost always it's painful. Baptism, on the other hand, reminds us of a different truth. Baptism reminds us that we belong to God from the very beginning, and that is a good news that draws the circle wider. That's a good news worth remembering. And for the eunuch... That was good news worth asking about. Our scripture passage for today begins with an angel of the Lord tapping the apostle Philip on the shoulder and saying, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Apparently, angels aren't big on details or small talk because there's a lot lacking in those instructions. But fortunately for us, Philip listens and he goes. And somewhere on that road, Philip passes by an unnamed Ethiopian eunuch traveling in a chariot who is trying to pass the time by reading the book of Isaiah. 
As the two draw near to one another, the Holy Spirit taps Philip on the shoulder again and says, go over to his chariot and join it. Now this is how you know that the Bible was not set in New York City. Because if a stranger on the street just walked up to your taxi cab and got in, I'm pretty confident that you all wouldn't ride off into the sunset, no questions asked. But that is exactly what Philip does. Philip hops into the eunuch's chariot and asks, do you understand what you're reading? When the eunuch admits that he could use some help, Philip begins teaching and the journey continues. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us what Philip covers in his teachings, but if I had to bet, I'd bet that Philip told all the best stories of Jesus. I bet he told the eunuch about how Jesus welcomed the children. I bet he told the eunuch how Jesus would heal the sick and eat with tax collectors and touch the untouchables. I bet he told them about turning water into wine and the calming of the sea. But most of all, I bet Philip told the eunuch how Jesus made everybody feel loved. It must have sounded nice to the eunuch, because it wasn't long before the eunuch asked, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Now, On the surface, that question sounds straightforward and simple. What is to prevent me from being baptized? However, if we know who the eunuch is, we know those words are far from simple. You see, a eunuch was a castrated man. It was not uncommon in that day for young men to be castrated if they worked in royal palaces or in positions around women. But the result of this castration was that the eunuch was viewed as neither fully male nor fully female. Eunuchs were not included in the world of men. Eunuchs were not included in the world of women. And Jewish law prevented any person with a deformity from entering the temple, which meant eunuchs weren't allowed in worship. This means that the man asking what is to prevent me from being baptized knew a world full of dividing lines. He had likely been pushed to the edge of every room his whole life long, told there is just not something right about you, or your kind isn't welcomed here. Now on top of that layer of social isolation, The eunuch's role as one who worked for the queen would have also given him a unique access to power, which would have further isolated him from the commoner of the day. And then, as if that's not enough division, the eunuch in today's passage was also an Ethiopian. That means his darker complexion in a predominantly Jewish region would have made him stand out a mile away. I think the eunuch knows all of this when he asks, what is to prevent me from being baptized? Which is why I'm confident he's not asking a question of logistics. I don't think the eunuch was asking Philip, do we have a quorum of elders present? I don't think he was asking if the font had water in it or if Philip had the baptismal liturgy printed. 
If I understand the text, the eunuch is saying, I have been pushed to the edge of every room my whole life long, and what I'm wondering is, does this Jesus you're talking about include me? Can the circle be drawn wider? Is there a place for me at this table? Back in Jerusalem, I, wouldn't, I wasn't allowed in the temple. Could I be allowed here? Can I belong here? Does God's love include me? It's not a question of logistics. It's a question of belonging. The water is here. The opportunity is here. The eunuch is asking Philip, does God include me? And do you know what Philip does? They stop the chariot right there. They step down onto that wilderness road and Philip baptizes that eunuch at that very moment. Does Jesus' love include me, the eunuch asks? Always. This good news is for you. Before I accepted a call to this wonderful church, I spent six years working in youth ministry, which was so much fun. During those years, I had several students come out to me as gay or trans or questioning, which were always sacred conversations. But there was one conversation in particular that has always stuck with me. I had a student ask if we could get coffee, which we did all the time, so we met at a local coffee shop. I bought her something she wanted with sugar. I bought myself something I wanted with caffeine. We both found a corner booth and began catching up. But I could tell that she was nervous about something. About 20 minutes into our time together, she told me why we were there. She said, Sarah, I want you to know that I'm gay. And then she went on to say, I wanted to talk to you because I've known for a long time, and for a long time I assumed that I could not be both gay and Christian. I, naively, was shocked. She said, I assumed that at some point I'd have to choose which part of myself I could stomach to let go. And then she said, but last week in worship, we sang a hymn called A Place at the Table, and one of the lyrics said, for gay and for straight, there's a place at the table. Did you hear that? She asked. That's the first time I've heard anyone say out loud at church that I'm okay as I am. She said, I've been going to church my whole life, and, and no one has ever been mean, but no one has been openly affirming either. So I assumed I'd have to choose. And then she looked at me, hands wrapped around her coffee mug, and she asked, but do you think I'm okay as I am? Which was another way of saying do you think I can belong here? Do you think I can be both gay and Christian? Do you think God's love includes me? Is the circle wide enough here? 
She wasn't asking a logistical question. She wasn't asking if the font had water or if the baptismal liturgy was printed. She was asking a question of belonging. She was saying, is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? And friends, you have to know that if I could have done something as convincing in that moment as stopping a chariot, jumping out and baptizing her on the side of the road like Philip did for the eunuch, I would have done it in a heartbeat. But instead, all I could do was slide to her side of the booth, hug her, affirm her, and promise that we as the church would try to do better. Does Jesus love me, she asked. Always, always this good news is for you. Friends, as a teenager in Branson, Missouri, I wasn't sure why my dad kept telling me to remember my baptism. But I think it was for moments and days like these. You see, in baptism, we promise that God has loved you your whole life long. Now that reality is true with or without baptism. If you haven't been baptized, God still loves you your whole life long. But what's amazing and beautiful about baptism is that when we baptize someone, they get to hear that truth spoken out loud. It's the very thing my teenager needed. She needed to hear her church say out loud, child of the covenant, you are loved and included just as you are. And I think it's the same thing the eunuch needed to hear. But the other beautiful thing about baptism that I love is that when we baptize someone here, the whole community gets a chance to promise that they will do their best to love that person on their journey of faith as well. That means baptism is not just a reminder that you are loved and held by God, but baptism is this holy moment that anchors us to one another. In baptism, we say, you belong to God and you belong to us. In a world of dividing lines, people need to hear that. My teenager wasn't sure if she belonged. The eunuch wasn't sure if he belonged. I am sure many of us in these pews due to identity or doubt or life decisions have wondered today or at some point, do I, can I still belong? So let me be abundantly clear. Young and old, male, female, non-binary, Jew and Gentile, eunuchs and apostle, gay and straight, Jesus never draws a dividing line. This good news is for you. Philip wasted no time stopping the chariot, stepping down on that wilderness road and baptizing the eunuch. There was no litmus test. There was no confessional sequence. The eunuch asked if there was room for him, and Philip said yes. The pain in this story is that the eunuch had to ask in the first place. 
So if any part of you is sitting here asking that same question, can I belong here? Does God's love include me? Is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? Then let me say out loud the thing I am most confident of, which is that God's love includes you. God's love is for you. This community is for you. The circle is wide enough for all of us. And if I thought I could spare you from forgetting it, I'd make you repeat it back to me the whole car ride home. <laughs> so friends, on this Pride Sunday, as my father used to say to me, remember your baptism, which is to say, remember that you belong to God. This good news is for you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Family of Faith, we have a celebratory coffee hour after this, so I hope I will see you on the terrace in a moment. But before we go, remember this. If you are ever wondering if God's love includes you, the answer is always, for everyone born, a place at the table. So as you leave this place, may you love as if love is not a scarcity. May you hope like there is a better tomorrow. May you live like we belong to one another, because we do. And may you trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. So in the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go now with joy. Go in peace. <laughs>